Hello, hello. Welcome back to Hail Marys and Hoops. I'm your host, as always, Jeff Pratt. I'm a DraftKings social and content intern, and you can find me on Twitter at Hotline Fantasy. I also do a little bit of fantasy work over at Primetime Sports Talk. Today, we are back with another episode. We're going to talk NFC, do a little preview, just like we did with the AFC. I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Guerin and Anton Lee. But today, we do have a special guest. One of Jeremy's and my former professors at Emerson College, Dr. Lauren Anderson, and also a professional Chicago Bears fan. Mm. Doc, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. No problem. And we're going to throw it right to you, put you on the spot for the first question if you're ready. We have the same props as last time for our AFC episode, and we're just going to have a little bit of a discussion here. Which team will be the biggest surprise this season in this conference? You know I have to start this out by going with the Bears, but hear me out. She's she's lost credibility already. (laughs) No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out, okay? So first of all, the Bears and the Niners were the only two NFC teams to go 2-1 and in preseason. And before you say preseason doesn't matter, did you see Justin Fields in preseason? But is he, he looks the, good. Is he the one who's starting week one? Nah, but give it one week and he'll be in. Okay. I promise that. Okay. Yeah, okay. So there's that. Then if you look at his deep threats, right, we got A-Rob, we got Mooney, who I'm really big on. I think he's going to get a ton of touches this year with Miller out. I'm a huge Cole Komet fan. And if Cohen comes back halfway through the season, I think their offense is going to be really solid. Now, I know you're thinking that their O-line sucks. <laughs> because let's be honest as a Bears fan their O-line has always sucked but uh, there's been huge changes in the past week or so with their O-line and I have high hopes for the Bears this season okay fair enough I'll, I'll say Jeremy and I have talked extensively about the possibility that Matt Nagy Matt Nagy however you want to pronounce his name um he is literally just holding Justin Fields out for one week so he avoids getting killed by Aaron Donald and I think when we talk about this there's a very high percentage that we're just giving Matt Nagy too much credit but um I would love for that to be the truth Jeremy we've talked with Doc extensively about the Bears I'm gonna kick it to you next on who's gonna be your surprise team out of the NFC I would like to rebut a previous point real quick. Again, thank you for having me back, Jeff. Um, In terms of the Bears, I don't think Matt Nagy is hiding behind Justin Fields for a week. I think he's going to hide behind Andy Dalton's smoking and smoldering corpse for as long as he can because that's the only reason that he can survive as head coach of the Bears. As soon as he puts in Justin Fields, and I know I've said this to you directly, Jeff, maybe a couple of days ago actually, he is cooked. His entire fortune rides, and Ryan Pace, both of their their job uh, futures, ride on the fact that you don't know what Justin Fields can be. Once you know what he is, once he's a known commodity, you can make a decision as to whether or not Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace deserve to keep their jobs, which is why I think they're going to try and hold them out for at least, I'd say, three to four weeks before they go to them, which, as if, if you're a Bears fan, I mean, that's just a kick in the, the kick right between the legs. All right, um, my biggest surprise, I got two. Uh, one, and always I think got this is two. relative. Always have two. Cheating. You can't always He's have always two. two. Jer- Jeremy, just, just go with one, and then if none of us say your second one, That's then fine. you can say it. Okay, fine. Relative to expectations, people are really down on the San Francisco 49ers, and I don't know why. 
Uh, they are a loaded roster. They made the Super Bowl two years ago. They still have a loaded defensive line. They have my second second favorite player in football and Fred Warner in the linebacking core. Their secondary is kind of weak. I know their safeties are decent. Their cornerbacks a little bit thin, especially after not re-signing Richard Sherman. And I know Akella Witherspoon just got traded to the Steelers, but he signed with the Seahawks in the offseason. Um... I'm looking at this 49ers offense, and you get George Kittle back, hopefully for as many games as you can get him back for. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are weapons. I mean, they're not great in terms of fantasy-wise, but for Kyle Shanahan's system, they work really well. I think the Niners are going to capture that top wildcard spot in the NFC, and I know I'm foreshadowing slightly to when we give our picks for the uh, uh, the playoff seedings, but I really like the 49ers this year. They are built the way Super Bowl teams are built, which is you win in the trenches and worry about the fringes later. They have a good offensive line and a good defensive line, and that is how you win titles. I know you've been banging this drum with the 49ers for a while now, and I have to say, I mean, the logic makes sense, right? They're one year removed from being in the Super Bowl and probably should have won the Super Bowl if Kyle Shanahan didn't do what Kyle Shanahan always does. In the Super Bowl, which is choke. Down. Yeah, take a massive dribble down his leg. I agree. Well, I was just going to say choke and save him the embarrassment of your description, but that works uh, as well. The logic makes sense. Uh, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, who, while we all know what Jimmy G is at this point, he's a system quarterback. He's perfect in Shanahan's system. We have no idea how Trey Lance is going to fit and when that QB change is going to go. I personally think that could definitely throw a wrench in the 49ers season. You know, that constant battle on a weekly basis because we know that they're going to run some sort of committee out there they're both going to see the field periodically in weeks I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer this how do you think that this quarterback competition will play out will Jimmy G get traded at any point during the season and will it have an effect on the outcome of their year because Trey Lance is on his rookie deal there's no need to trade him right now uh in terms of when I say he I mean Jimmy Garoppolo because the quarterback money eventually kind of evens out to where you don't have one of the most expensive quarterback rooms in the league and you can keep Garoppolo around as sort of a caretaker uh, Garoppolo will get hurt at some point in the season I don't say that wishing that on him I say that from experience knowing that Garoppolo has gotten hurt almost every season that he's been a pro it's just a fact he is going to miss a couple of games and then Lance will step in the one thing I don't like and I don't think the Niners will do this but if they do it's a mistake you should not make your team worse just to develop your quarterback and I know that's been talked about a lot with the Patriots and Mac Jones and this is not an AFC episode but the Patriots and the 49ers are rosters are similar in the sense that they're built to win now the Niners even more so because they gave up a lot of draft capital to go and move up and get certain guys especially moving up to number three to draft Lance okay you don't have a lot of picks in the next couple of years you got to win now and I think the Niners are built for it I don't want them to go sacrifice that and say okay you know Trey Lance has the arm of a, a Patrick Mahomes almost, but he has the decision-making of a D2 quarterback, which is what he was. So you got to go and, I think, balance that. And I hope, I hope personally, he does not see the field this year because that means Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, and that also means the Niners are winning. And I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a great example of what you said, uh, which is don't develop or don't put your team at jeopardy this season by developing your quarterback, by throwing out a rookie quarterback. Uh, I think that's the Miami Dolphins last year. Look how good they were with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then they put Tua in, and we all know what happened from there. He couldn't run the offense at a pro level, still dealing with hip issues, etc. We saw a, a great example of what you think the Niners should try to avoid by keeping Lance on the bench. Jeremy, great insight as always. Thank you for coming back. Anton Lee, certified Cleveland Browns fan. You yes, can't sir. bring up the Browns because they are not in the <laughs> NFC who is your pick as a surprise team from this conference? 
I think I got to go with the team that recently acquired the forgotten quarterback of the 2018 draft class, Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. I think they're going to make some big okay. noise this year. Um, Sam Darnold, people are ready to give up on Sam Darnold, and I'm not quite ready to do that. He's a guy that we don't really know how good he can be. He's never really had a good team around him. Adam Gaze, we know, is a quarterback nightmare, not a guru. He ruined Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill is now prospering in uh, Tennessee. And now Sam Darnold has a new shot in Carolina. He's reunited with Robbie Anderson. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is a great running back, if you can even call him that, because he's more like a wide receiver who lines up in the backfield. Um, they bolted their offensive line. I love the pick uh, with J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Um, and they have my favorite name in the league, Chubba Hubbard. That is a football player's name, okay? That's dope. I love what Matt Rule is doing in, uh, in Carolina. He turned Baylor around in just a couple years, um, and I think he's laying the groundwork to do the same thing in Carolina, and I would love to see the, Panther, the Panthers shock everyone and sneak into the wild card spot this year. I got the Carolina Panthers making a big splash this season. I like it. Uh, just like Jeremy, I usually come prepared with two picks for everyone. And I had the Panthers as a backup in case mine was taken. And um, it wasn't. Uh, I'm a little surprised here. I, I knew that Doc wasn't going to take it based off a comment she made previously. But I'm going to go with a, a team led by a quarterback that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. The Washington football team. Washington, they have a top five defense in the league. You know, Chase Young and company, they are scary. Their front seven, terrifying. And they now have, in my opinion, an explosive quarterback and a plethora of weapons. Yes, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is 70 years old. He's got the beard to show it. But he can still sling that thing. And he can sling it really well and with pretty good efficiency. Curtis Samuel, I'm one of his biggest fans. I think he's one of the most dynamic utility tools in the game. Logan Thomas last year, after doing nothing for the majority of his career, emerged as a top 10 tight end in the game. We'll see if he can continue that level of production this year. I have my doubts with Samuel in there. But regardless, he should be a good weapon for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Terry McLaurin, he's one of the best deep threats in the game. And that is not justifying what he does on the field because he is turning into one of the most dynamic receivers in the league. Antonio Gibson, he looks primed for a breakout year. Gibson, last year coming out of the draft, people were confused about the pick because he didn't how, what did he have? Less than 100 total carries in college at Memphis, Jeremy? Something like that? It wasn't high. I know that. It, it wasn't high. So people were concerned about his durability, and he looks like an absolute stud. Yes, he was dealing with turf toe at the end of the year, but it sounds like he's fully healthy, and he's primed for a breakout season. Everything is setting up very nicely for Washington to cruise, and I mean it, cruise through the NFC East and potentially make a deep playoff run. So when you say that they will be the biggest surprise – how many wins are you saying there? Because in my opinion, they're probably the division favorite right now and deserve to be simply for the fact that they won it last year. So when you say surprise, what does that mean? I think that they could be an 11 or 12 win team this year. Wow. Uh, so not I, I, so not the fourth seed. Challenging for that third seed, maybe. Yes, even. I think that they will be the fourth seed, probably. I think 10 wins is probably more realistic for them. I've got them listed as my fourth seed right now. But I say surprising because when you talk about the NFC East, 
other headlines dominate them. We got the Cowboys and everything they do. I think if we're talking about the casual fan, who's going to come out of the NFC East this year? Oh, it's the Cowboys year. Look at how dynamic that offense is. They drafted Micah Parsons. Their defense is picking it up. I'm using arguments that Dr. Anderson is going to use when talking about the Cowboys later here. And they're all valid, but I I just don't see it with the Cowboys this year. I think they're going to disappoint uh, as always. That being said, Washington's kind of flying under the radar, and I think they've built a very effective team. Today's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great gambling tips. Be sure to head over to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive articles, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. All right, so... Just like that, we're going to move on to which team will be the biggest disappointment. I guess I'll open it up because I just said it. I have your Dallas Cowboys, Dr. A. Per usual, per usual, they will be the biggest disappointment. I don't see the defense getting that much better. I know they drafted Micah Parsons. It's one dude. He's a great player, and he's going to be hopefully a leader for this Cowboys defense for the next 10 years. I would love to see it. I don't see him as a rookie making that much of an impact this year. And we're talking about Dak. When players suffer severe ankle injuries like that, they usually aren't the same player for more than a year. We saw it, I'm going to use a basketball example, where Boston guys, Gordon Hayward, suffered the exact same injury in Boston. I'm going to bring up Gordon Hayward as much as I can. You're not looking at the video right now, but I have my Gordon Hayward bobblehead right here. One of my favorite players to come out of Boston. We're not talking about the Celtics, talking about the NFL, but regardless, I'm familiar with that injury. Uh, Dak's not going to be the same player for a little while. He's going to struggle behind that line, um, which isn't the same as it was the last couple of years. By the way, yes, he's still got phenomenal weapons. CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, one of the top five receiving duos in the league. I'm a huge CD guy. I think Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott has a bounce back year, but their defense is still going to be bad. And that's the problem when you're lining up against a team like Washington in the same conference, who is elite, in my opinion, when we're talking about the NFC East on both sides of the ball. So I predict more disappointment for the Dallas Cowboys this season. We're going to kick it back in the opposite direction we talked about. So Jeremy, I think, wait, no, no, it's Anton. Yeah. I'll throw it to you next. Okay, so I'm going to hop on the, the Cowboys hate train. And I'm uh, also yeah. going to say that they're going to be the biggest disappointment this year. Um, someone can tell me, what's up with Dak? I mean, what is competitive throwing, right? Um, I know he says he's 100% healthy but I really feel like they're downplaying his injury. It doesn't really bode well if you're the Cowboys and you're asking the Yankees for advice on shoulder injuries. I don't know. That is not, that's not a great look. Zeke looks to be back in shape, I think. CeeDee Lamb, like you mentioned, he's ready to make a big leap. And you mentioned their defense as the, the probable cause for their downfall. But what I say is that I think it's their coaching because coaching really matters in the NFL. I've been watching Hard Knocks. Honestly, a terrible. This is a terrible season. I hate the Cowboys, but I have to say, I know Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl in Green Bay, but for God's sake, he had Aaron Rodgers on his team, okay? And I've known a lot of bad coaches as a Cleveland Browns fan, okay? And Mike McCarthy sounds like a top candidate to be a Cleveland Browns coach, okay? I don't like his style, like oh, this is this is a this is a, let's get the juice going, let's get the juice going. Like this is not how a leader runs his team. Kevin Stefanski, you watch that guy? He is like polar opposite. Anton, to Mike the McCarthy. Browns. Sorry, enough. I apologize. Anyway, there were some rumblings last year about the coaching staff being a problem. You know, some players kind of coming out secretly, like oh, they don't really like what they're doing. 
And so I think the the Cowboys really have to show up this year because this is their year, obviously. So the Cowboys look poised to have a great season, but you know what they say, the higher you go, the harder you fall. Cowboys are going to be the biggest NFC disappointment this year because they always are. Anton, I'm loving that you agree with me, even though you had to slip in your Browns reference there uh, at some point. Jeremy, you're up next. Who's going to be the biggest disappointment this year? We both know you're not upset about that, Jeff. You're a known Browns sympathizer. I love the Browns, but even I have to know when enough is enough. All right, so I could triple down on the Cowboys because they were one of the two I had for the NFC, but I'm not going to do that because I think you guys have made a lot of the points that I've made already. Um, That being said, it doesn't mean I have the Cowboys, like, coming in last in the division because that would just be blasphemous yeah, yeah. With the, no with, i agree with, with that with the the uh, just the absolute pile of trash the city of philadelphia is fielding at lincoln financial field this year um all right moving on to my disappointment seattle okay i understand that dak and company will be disappointing and the one thing that you can count on seattle is their quarterback russell wilson but who else do they have i just looked at their depth chart i have it up right now because i wanted to see you have, okay, Chris Carson, solid running back. No depth behind him. Rashad Penny, Alex Collins, Travis Homer. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, pretty solid. Your third and fourth receivers, D. Eskridge, the kid from Western Michigan, and Tyler, Lo- uh, no, Freddie Swain, sorry. Gerald Everett, eh, I mean, maybe. Dwayne Brown is a solid left tackle. And Gabe Jackson was a decent um, pickup from Las Vegas. But their offensive line has historically just been awful. It's the reason that uh, Wilson wanted to leave, in part, because he just wasn't getting protected. He was getting sacked all over the place. But what's even more scary is their defense. Carlos Dunlap is old. Bobby Wagner is a beast. But K.J. Wright is gone. He's the top free agent left, and then he finally left Seattle. He's going down to Las Vegas. And Jamal Adams, I think me and Jeff are kind of in lockstep here, is one of the most overrated players at his position, maybe just in all of football. I think Jamal Adams is very overrated. I don't think he does a lot. He can't cover Jack because he made Cam Newton look good. He's a phenomenal outside linebacker in the safety position. And I just don't, don't need that if I'm a GM. What's really screwed the Seahawks over the years is their bad drafting. Drafting Jordan Brooks in the first round um, two years ago, I, th- I believe it was now, absolutely god-awful pick because he has not shown any any inkling of developing whatsoever. They keep having to throw uh, first round, second round, third round picks out to go and trade for players like a Jamal Adams because their own system can't replenish that talent of that caliber of player when they leave and go sign a massive extension somewhere else. Seattle is now starting to look at the the sunset of the Pete Carroll tenure as he looks and contemplates retirement, I would assume, in the next couple of years. You have Russell Wilson, who's 34. I, I think he's 34. He's, he's up there. He's older than you would think. Um, this is, I think this is the year the wheels fall off the cart. I think Seattle is going to be bad. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of hope in the Pacific Northwest. Well, I'm not ready to say Seattle's going to be bad because I think that as long as Russell Wilson's leading this team, they're going to be in playoff contention. That's at least how I view it. I think that what certainly supports your argument is we saw the wheels start to fall off the cart last year in the second half of last season. Their defense was horrible for the first half of the year, but their offense was keeping them in contention. Russell Wilson was playing at an MVP-like level, and then he stopped playing at an MVP-like level, and they just completely fell off the face of the earth, and then they had a really disappointing early first-round exit. So I do have to say, Jeremy, I think there's a lot, again, supporting your argument for this. All right, Doc. We've been around the sun here, coming back, a lot of Cowboys trash talk. We'll let you make your rebuttal and also giving what you think will be the most disappointing team out of the NFC this year. I'm just going to say Dak to CeeDee Lamb all day this season. 
It's going to happen. He's going to be top in receiving yards. Uh, just wait. Just wait for it. It's going to happen. I would happen. love and to see it. I, would I love didn't to realize see we started recording with Skip Bayless. What the heck happened here? <laughs> you know what, Jeremy? Russell Wilson's 32, first of all, and that is not Still old for a quarterback. Think. Okay. He doesn't play like it, it feels. It feels yeah. like he just came into the league. I mean, he's he's been there for a while. He, what did he come in? 2012, I believe, was his rookie year. But it feels like he's been so young because he rushes the ball so effectively, you just forget how old he is. And the older you get, the more likelihood that you're going to get a, a pretty major injury that's going to sideline you for a while. And Wilson, as a running quarterback, has escaped most of those throughout his entire career. I don't think he's had a career-ending injury. But the more he starts to rush and the more he has to rely on that collapsing offensive line that looks like flypaper, I mean, it's just going to get really bad really fast. I don't know if I, I don't know if calling him a rushing quarterback is fair because he has been effective he throwing is, the football. He is I the preeminent, dual threat. He is the preeminent mold for a rushing quarterback that can actually throw. Sure. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Back, back to you, Doc. Defending your Cowboys in a very Skip Bayless-esque take, and then who you think your most disappointing team is this year. You know what? You guys just wait. The Cowboys are going to do good things this season. I think How that... about them Cowboys? Okay, first of all, I hate the Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I do think they need to improve massively in their defense, but there's just so many offensive weapons there. And uh, with last season being so crazy with COVID, so many players being out, I just really think it's their time to shine. I, I really see Dak just blowing it out of the water this season. Fair enough. Who's going to be your biggest disappointment this year? Oh, my biggest disappointment this year is going to be the Saints. I mean, Ooh, let's okay. face it. Let's face it. They've made the playoffs the past four seasons. I'm a huge Drew Brees fan. Winston is just not the answer. Let's look at 2019 when he played for the Bucks. right? He became the first quarterback in NFL history to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in 30, the same club season right i mean he has the arm strength there's there's no doubt about that but you could have said the same for cutler right again sorry bears reference but you can have the deep field arm strength but you have to have the accuracy with it you got to be able to throw it to the right player i'm sorry you just do and then if you look at all of the cuts the saint had to make the saints had to make this season due to their salary cap issues Poor management, whatever you want to call it, Jeremy. <laughs> On offense, they're missing so many key veterans. Uh, let's see. We have Emmanuel Sanders. We have They had to get rid of both tight ends with Jared Cook and Josh Hill. On defense, they got rid of Jenkins. They got rid of Brown. Trey Hendrickson, uh, who actually led the team in sacks last year, who I'm a huge fan of. Mm. I just think if you go position by position, there's not a single position that they've improved on over the offseason. And I just don't see any way that Winston can pull off a winning season with a far worse team around him than what Breeze had. Would you agree that the Saints had the best roster in football last year? Top Ooh. to bottom. Still had Breeze, Kamara, Michael Thomas, Sanders. Also, My Michael Thomas is on PUP list yep. just to support your a argument top, even a top, more. I'd say the best offensive line in football last year. I think they still have the best mm -hmm. offensive line in football this year. A loaded defense. It's hard to get better at any position when you were the best roster in football, which is what the Browns yeah. are this year, Anton. There you go. There's your Browns. Yes, There's your yes, Browns. They are. They are. But then the, Browns. the Saints just shit the bed in free agency and offseason and their salary cap issues. There's just no way of saying that better. I agree. I think, I, I think that they yeah. will definitely be due for a regression. But I don't know if necessarily saying, like, if when you're coming off the pedestal as the top roster in football, as, if you have a top 10 roster, 
Sean Payton should still, there's no excuse if Sean Payton goes 5-12, and 12, for instance. Like, that should not happen. Under no circumstances should that happen. If you're as gifted an offensive mind as Sean Payton is, with a loaded defense, with my third favorite player in football, Demario Davis, anchoring that linebacking core, because, man, that dude is a beast, and I would have loved him on the Patriots. You should not go, you should be going 7-10, and 8-9. I think that's that should be where the Saints are aiming for, but I agree. You they know, are I, for I see that. I see that, but, uh, you know, I think that people just have such high expectations of the Saints. Uh, You can't argue with the great coaching, and they've been such a dominant team the past however many years that I see them being a huge disappointment. No, they're not going to go 5-12, and but... I see that more of the six, seven winning streak that they just, that team's not used to. So my, my take on this is, is a little bit different from yours, Jeremy. I, when I was coming up with this question and considering the teams, the Saints jumped up, but I didn't consider them as one of the leaders to be a disappointment because my expectations just aren't that high for them this season. For me, a disappointment has to be a lot of hype surrounding this team. And why I think the Cowboys stand out is because there's always hype and their around fans the Dallas suck. Cowboys. Their fans, I'll be a little nicer than that. They're a little unrealistic. Their but fans let's suck. just say that. And their offense is incredible, but offense isn't the only, it's one side of the ball in football. But that, that being said, the Saints, I think we can all agree they're due for aggression. Jameis Winston, it'll be very interesting to see what he can do. Because if he come, comes out there firing interceptions, Sean Payne will not keep him out on the field. This was a quarterback competition between him and Taysom Hill. He will throw Taysom Hill out there, and then those games will become unbearable to watch because you just don't want to see Taysom Hill running the read option with Alvin Kamara for 80% of their snaps. But Saints fans are going to have to sit out there and and do that. So they're crossing their fingers and hoping that the LASIK worked for James Winston, that he knows how to tell the difference. I was looking to bring that up. And he knows how to tell the difference between his receivers and the cornerbacks. So that's something that's yet to be seen. Doc, we're going to throw this next question right back to you, going in the same order as our first question. Who is one player that will be an X factor in this conference? Uh, I'm guessing Dak might have come up for you in this list. Is he your X factor? No, actually not. This might surprise you. I stayed away from a Bears player, even though I'm really, really excited about Mooney. But yeah. I, like, <laughs> I, I love Mooney too. Yeah, I, I gotta go with Calvin Ridley for this one. Mm, I love Calvin. Yeah, Ridley. you know, with Julio gone, uh, Ridley's the clear wide receiver one in that offense. Uh, even when Julio was there, Ridley went over 800 yards in his first two seasons. Um, really exploded with over. I think it was, uh, Jeremy, you got to help me out here. Maybe it was over 1,200 yards last year. I think he, he pushed over 1,200 yards, I believe. Or he was comparable. I remember he was comparable to Keenan Allen because I had to make a player comparison graphic for those two. And they were, yeah. they were really close in terms of stats. Yeah, you know, and I know there's obviously a lot of hype surrounding rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. I love him too, but rookie tight ends just aren't known for big production. So I really see Ridley as the top target in Atlanta's offense this year. 1374 for yards for Ridley last year. Ah, there yeah, we go. Thanks. Yeah, I've been I've been banging the Calvin Ridley overall wide receiver one in fantasy this year for the entire offseason. Jeremy knows this. I've probably annoyed him with it the amount of times I, I like to talk about it. But I love Calvin Ridley, and I think that Kyle Pitts, you raised a good point there. People who are hyping him up, yes, he's going to be good. He was, what, the highest drafted tight end ever? But he is only going to help Calvin Ridley. Because you got a guy in Russell Gage who pushed over 100 targets. Yes, you can look at those numbers and say, okay, well, he's going to distract defenses. No, he's not. He's not Julio Jones. You needed that big name. And Kyle Pitts is a freak 
of nature. He's going to be a beast in this league for years to come. I'm just not expecting him to jump out like a lot of people are and contend for that Offensive Rookie of the Year status. I think he's only going to help Kevin really emerge as one of the best four or five receivers in the game. So I love that pick. Jeremy, I'm throwing it to you next. Who is one player that's an X factor in this conference? One thing I would also note with the Falcons is the the fact that they have their new, uh, uh, the old Titans offensive coordinator, excuse me, Arthur Smith in charge. And while he did pound the ball a lot with Derrick Henry during his time in Tennessee, I couldn't tell. I mean, Adam Humphreys and Khalif Raymond may have seen the field sometimes, but it was mainly a one wide receiver set with a couple of tight ends. And if you want to put Hayden Hurst and uh, Kyle Pitts on the field together, it could be very interesting for Ridley. Now, um, I didn't get to go over that second uh, surprise for the team. So I'm going to go over all three of my picks very quickly for the X Factor. I chose one player, I chose one team, and I chose one coach because I chose a player and a team, a uh, player and a coach, excuse me, last right. time. Player. Let's hear it. Matt Stafford. I don't understand the hype around him. I don't think Matt Stafford is that good, okay? He's not a top 10 quarterback right now. He is, he's top 15, but he's been in Detroit. He's been stuck in Detroit for so many years. Exactly. It my judgment of him. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Anton, because guess what? The Rams don't have a running back. Again, shocking. He, he gets out of Detroit when, where he didn't have a running back. He had that record for, like, most consecutive games without a 100-yard rusher, only to bump into what whatever a Darrell Henderson is sitting out there in L.A. Now you go and look, and you have still not really a great offensive line. The Lions had a better offensive line than the, than the Rams do now. Stafford is always hurt. He's going to be relying on that defense a lot. If the Rams want to contend, and believe me, in terms of all teams, they are the most in the win-now mode because they don't have another first-round pick until, I have no, until I'm freaking filing for AARP. That's how long it is until they have another, another first-round pick. They need to win now. They have no choice. They have a lot of big contracts hooked up with Ramsey, hooked up with Donald, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, all signed big extensions. You have got to win if you're in L.A. My team, the Saints. The reason I say the Saints... Look at their schedule. I don't think they're going to be challenging for a playoff spot, but I'll be damned if they don't have a really good chance to pick off some of these games from some of these good teams. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They face Green Bay, the Patriots, Seattle, Washington, Tampa twice, Buffalo on Thanksgiving night, which is going to be a very good game. Miami on, I think, like a Tuesday night football game or something like that uh, after Christmas. And the Cowboys as well. Those are all games where you could conceivably be taking games off of a playoff contender or somebody who's actually aiming to get to the playoffs could be very interesting. And finally, my coach, Matt LaFleur. Dude, you are part of the reason that Aaron Rodgers won it out of Green Bay in the offseason. Dude, you've got to hold it together. You've got to figure out a way to Steve Kerr this locker room to get this collection of personalities and egos all the way to the finish line if you hope to compete in the NFC. You have the best winning percentage of any active head coach, which I learned last night. Matt LaFleur, of all people, you have got to figure out a way to keep Rodgers happy because Jordan Love ain't it. And the only way that you're going to have sustained success for the next couple of years is if number 12 is still in their center and he wants to leave right now. Figure it out, Matt. I hope you don't, but figure it out if you hope to keep it. If you hope to keep your job, because I think when it comes down to the off season, something tells me Rogers is going to go to Gunkunst and all these guys in the Packers organization and say, "Hey, fire the GM, fire the head coach, and I'll stay." And they might do that because it's Aaron Rodgers. Or Rogers could just stop being a little crybaby. I mean, there's that too. That's or they just could not just happening. sign. Clay. You know that. They could just sign Clay Matthews, and he'd be really happy about that, I'm pretty sure. That's a good point. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Anton, thank you for jumping in and your contribution. Uh, I'll kick it to you next. Jeremy, I think you made some great points. I'll talk about them when 
what I go, but okay, Anton, so go for it. I'm going to go first by reading two stat lines, okay, from two different players in their first five years in the league. 20,618 passing yards, 138 touchdowns, 100 interceptions, 85.9 quarterback rating. Second player, 19,737 yards, 121 touchdowns, 88 interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 86.9. The first was Peyton Peyton Manning. Manning? Boom! Second. I don't know who the second one is. The second is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston (laughs) is my X factor for this year. I know the jokes. I know the memes are real. The eating the W, the off-season workouts. Okay, I get it. Okay, he's kind of a joke. But the truth is, Jameis Winston, and this is a hot take, Jameis Winston is probably more talented than Drew Brees. He has a bigger arm. He's a bigger guy. He can get around and move out of the pocket. Okay. Whoa, Sean whoa, Payton whoa. last year. Yeah, Sean Payton last yeah, year had yeah. to put Drew Brees out there because of what he meant to that team, what he meant to the organization, and what he, what he, meant, what he meant to that city. But he didn't really want to. There were some times last year where Drew Brees agree with could that. not really make that 10-yard out throw. He just couldn't do it. And so, Okay, wasn't he also 42 years old? Exactly. But that doesn't matter. I'm with Anton on this. He's right. Thank I you. think Peyton, if Peyton had a choice, he would have played Jameis in some, some of those situations. Okay, okay. But Brees' so, track record yeah, merited keep, that you couldn't yeah. do that. Exactly, going, right? So he didn't really want to play Drew Brees, and he had to coach with one arm behind his back, and they still made it all the way to the divisional round, Okay. And here's the thing. People forget he revitalized Drew Brees' career, right? And I think he can do the same thing with Jameis, who still has that first-round talent. Jameis has looked pretty good this offseason, right? 9 for 10 was 136 yards. That Callaway kid looks pretty good. Um, and I just love the idea of Jameis Winston playing his old team twice a year, and right? And now he, of course, you know, they replaced him with Tom Brady, which is not like a, you know, that's not like something to be ashamed of. But maybe by, he has like a reason to play extra, extra hard against his old team with a shot of knocking them out of the first place in the division, which would be crazy if the Bucks had to play in the wild card, right? Then they could totally, they don't, they're not, they're not a lock for the Super Bowl. So I got James Wilson as my X Factor. I think a lot of that division rides on what he can do, right? No one really knows what it's going to look like, but I think James Winston could be their guy. And, you know, who knows? James Winston, my guy. All right. How, the how first, many yeah. interceptions do you think he's gonna get this year? I listen. Obviously, he can't have the thirty for thirty. Okay. If, no he, has, is gonna... if he has, sorry, if he has fewer than fifteen, the Saints are making the playoffs. I'll tell you that. I would. I would completely agree. Okay. Fifteen. Okay. Not... It's it's either they're making the playoffs or he was pulled halfway through the season. That's <laughs> one true. or the other. But I feel like I don't James think Winston... I don't think you can start Taysom Hill in a full time role. No way. He's not no, that you I think I You're think not that guy. I, he's not that. I guy. think Sean Payton will. To prove a point, if no. he has to. Also, Anton, That's like let me say this: I'm, we're, don't let you. Th- we're not going to let you think that we're just going to skip over the fact you said Jameis Winston is more talented than Drew Brees. Drew Brees has five five thousand yard seasons. Not saying, no other not quarterback say- has more than one. He's more okay, athletically gifted. He's more athletically gifted. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He's more athletic. He's Drew Brees. I don't think so. Have you Drew seen Brees what shape? Have you seen what shape Jameis Winston is in? Okay, Jameis, okay, listen, Drew Brees could not make the downfield. He could not, like, just launch the ball downfield. He couldn't. He can't okay, make it deep. right ball. now have we have arm. a conversation. He didn't have Is that Is that arm. what you're saying? Right now? Because I thought you were saying the entirety of their careers. Okay, come on. I mean, like, this is, like, in the last few years, Drew Brees has been kind of broken goods. The last few years. Let's be real. Drew sure, Brees sure, is sure, not sure. exactly, like, an elite, the elite, elite quarterback he used to be, okay? He is, like... Damaged goods, right? He's like always hurt. He just can't really stay healthy the whole season, right? He has problems. But Jameis Winston is like this young guy, and we've never really. And he's like the first quarterback the Saints have had 
the starting or whatever, starting quarterback since 2006, right? We haven't seen – I don't even remember watching football when I, was, when I was six years old, okay? So I, I'm really excited to see what James Wilson can do. I, I think he really can be the starter for the Saints for the next 10 years if he really can put it together. I think he can do it. Uh, all right, fair enough. All right, my, my player that I think is going to be an X Factor – in this conference um before i'll get into my player i have to say jeremy when we always do these you like to pick coaches and and i really considered taking cliff kingsbury because oh my god the dude pick if you had it the dude i i seriously considered it i wanted to choose a player because i thought it'd be more interesting but oh my god talk about talent on your team that's just failed to be implemented by a coach cliff kingsbury thinks he's still running college he thinks he's still in a college offense right now and he just completely caps the ceiling of the Arizona Cardinals. So if he can slightly figure it out this year, this Arizona Cardinals team could be really good. But I'll move on to my pick. I'm going to do an interesting one. Uh, Daniel Jones. Mm. It's put up or shut up time for Danny Dimes. Statistically, uh, excuse me. We, we use something different now. It's a pooper get off the can. Thank you. Okay, keep going. Okay. Okay. All right. What, what Jeremy said. Statistically... Daniel Jones threw the best deep ball in the league last year. Did the small sample size help him out there? Probably. Yes, but it's still something to work with. The Giants, they have a really good defense. That's where Joe Judge hangs his hat. Uh, He's got a lot of really good playmakers out there. I think James Bradbury is the most underrated cornerback in the league. They're really good at what they do, and they're good on special teams too. New York, they're providing Daniel Jones with all the necessary weapons to succeed now. He's got a legitimate number one in Kenny Galladay, assuming he can stay on the field because he's already dealing with a pretty bad hamstring problem. Sounds like he's going to be ready to go week one. They have one of the most talented players in the league. I don't care how you put it. Saquon Barkley, is he overrated at this point? Yes, because he needs to show us that he can stay on the field. Talent-wise, he might be the the most talented running back in the NFL. I'd argue guys like Christian McCaffrey and Kamara over him, yes. But talent, pure talent coming out of Penn State, one of the most gifted athletes we've ever seen. And if he's healthy, he's going to be one of the best running backs in the league. And he's got a pretty deep receiving core to work with now with Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. He's got Evan Engram and Kyle Rudolph at tight end. So he's got a lot of not great, but decent targets who should catch the ball besides Evan Engram, who we know has hands of stone, if he hits them. So there's no excuse for Daniel Jones not to show up this year. It is put up or shut up time or whatever Jeremy wants to call it. Just right. say it. It's 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 not <laughs> it's not like it's politically incorrect. I mean it's true. No no no. <laughs> it's not. Um all right, we're gonna move on to our final question here before we get into uh Jeremy's segment, Garen's game, which we, we always yes. like to do at yes. this point in the podcast recently. Finally, who's coming out of the NFC? We're running a little late here, so try to make it a pretty brief summary. Anton, I'm kicking it to you first. All right, listen. Let's be honest. The Rams, they're stacked. They have one of the most robust defenses in the league. Jalen Ramsey's a stud. Aaron Donald's a game wrecker. I mean, I don't see any reason why the Rams won't be have an amazing defense next year. They have Matthew Stafford, right? I mean, he is, let's be honest, he's Kevin Garnett of the NFL. He's been buried in Detroit for all these years. Um, uh-huh. They're the only reason they've ever been relevant. Everyone has always wondered, how good is this guy? Right, And he has said himself he wants to play in the big game when everyone is watching. And the truth is he hasn't had those opportunities. We've never seen Matthew Stafford at his strongest, and we're going to this year with him in the Sean McVay offense. If there's anyone who could topple the Packers and the Bucks, it's Matthew Stafford and the juggernaut. Uh, and that juggernaut of a defense, the Rams are coming out of the NFC. You know, I'm just going to chime in right here because I had the Rams as my pick too. Okay. And I also have the Rams as my pick. Oh, <laughs> so check it out. 
you know, look at what they did with Goff last year, who is arguably the worst quarterback in the oh, NFC God, West. He's horrible. Exactly. So now you're talking about putting Stafford in this offense. He has these huge offensive weapons. I mean, we're looking at Cooper Cup. We're looking at Robert Woods. I'm also on the defensive side of the ball. I'm a huge Leonard Floyd fan, obviously. Um, I think the signing of Sony Michelle was huge. Obviously, it's it's terrible that Cam Akers got hurt and will probably be out the the whole season. But um, I just really see with Stafford having all of this around him. I mean, yeah, he's played for the Lions, one of the worst teams in the NFL, the first team to go 0-16 in, all of, in NFL history. I mean, come on. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he does on the Rams, and I really think that they're going to make it to the top this year. Yeah, you know, I've been picking the Rams to come out of the NFC ever since they made the Matthew Stafford trade. They have a truly elite defense. Aaron Donald, when it's all said and done, he's going to be considered one of the best defensive players to ever do it. He's the scariest guy in the NFL, and I will argue that with anyone. And they have something that neither of you guys mentioned, one of my favorite receiving duos in the NFL. Bobby Trees, Robert Wood, and Cooper Cup. These guys are both really underrated. I think you can argue that they're both elite at what they do when they're healthy. Yes, they lost Cam Akers, and I think that that certainly hurt their chances because Darrell Henderson, Jeremy said, what is a Darrell Henderson? He is an unproven back, but he showed flashes of talent before Cam Akers took over that backfield due to an injury. And I saw Jeremy laughing when, Doc, you brought up Sony Michelle because we all joke about Sony Michelle here in New England. He shocks but the facts he blows, are, Mike. He yes, shocks. But the, <laughs> but the facts are he was having a really good preseason. He was good in camp. He looks much more explosive. He's, his hands are greatly improved. So I think he could overtake Darrell Henderson in, in this backfield. I think he is a revitalized back. He's still going to be rushing behind a good offensive line. It's all about, you know, can he break that first tackle? Because he was the worst running back in the league when it come down to going down after first contact. So it's all about, can he be better? Can he be the Sony Michelle we saw in Georgia? Or even flashes of that. Because I think... The Rams can be good enough where if both of those two guys, then they guys guys like Xavier Jones behind them, who you know they're flash, they're flashy players. You know they could throw them in a little bit if they can get something out of their running back core just to take some pressure off of Matthew Stafford. Th- this team's going to make a really deep run. Jeremy, we're going to throw it to you to finish off this segment because you're the only person that doesn't have the Rams. Unless after saying Matthew Stafford is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the league, you're taking the Rams. All right, first of all, Matthew Stafford has made one, count it, one Pro Bowl in his career. For someone who's supposedly that gifted and supposedly that good and he was the number one overall pick in 2009, he should be better than one Pro Bowl this late into his career because, as we all know, Pro Bowl... Mitch Trubisky made a Pro Bowl, people. He made a Pro Bowl. That should... Clearly the bar... Well-deserved, clearly, clearly, clearly the bar is not that high Best if an MVP quarterback in NFL make history. the Pro Bowl. All right. He doesn't. Matt Stafford doesn't even have a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. He's got 282 touchdowns and 144 picks. You don't have a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. What are we talking about here? Neither if does James throw, Winston, you, but he's more talented than Drew Brees. Oh, oh. No, no, no. at right, the point in their right, careers, I, right. he's more athletically gifted because Brees was old. I'm with Anton on that. The problem with Stafford is this. He's spent too many years toiling away in Detroit and throwing picks with desperation passes. And it's very, very hard to unlearn that after you've just been hucking balls down the field year after year after year and seeing defensive backs come up with them. That is his problem. Again, as I said, he does not have a legitimate running back with him. Sony Michelle was a first-round pick. 
but he's not. He doesn't have first round talent right now. Let's face it. He hasn't shown it in first however many years in the league. My Super Bowl pick. I said it's going to be one of two teams coming out of the NFC West. And what did you say, Anton? Matthew Stafford would lead the Rams past the Bucks and the Packers? No. Yes. Aaron Donald will lead the Rams past the Bucks and the Packers. And it's going to be the Rams or the 49ers because, as we've said, <laughs> he takes the, the, NFC, Rams. <laughs> the NFC West is the hardest division in football. The Cardinals could be the fourth best team in that division, and they could finish 8-9 and nine because they could just sweep up on the rest of the NFC opponents. That division is going to be a buzzsaw. And whoever's the most battle-tested to come out of that and get the bye or sorry, get the division, excuse me, and not have to go on the road for playoff week one, they will be the ones to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. I think the Packers are going to be just infused with drama, with Rodgers and, and Adams and this these whole contract negotiations. I think the Bucks are not going to have the same health that they did last year. They're going to suffer some injuries. It's hard to run a team completely back and win it again. 2018 Red Sox tried it. Didn't work. Liverpool tried it last year definitely did not work you have to infuse a team with new blood you cannot run it back it's it just it just doesn't happen the astros tried to do it they added michael brantley after they won it in 2017 we saw how that worked out for them they didn't win squat and they tried to get there they got to the world series but it didn't work out for them because you have players who are hungrier players who want it more and i think some of these fat cats in tampa bay have gotten a little bit lazy and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the course of the season I will you know, say, Jeremy, I'm sorry. No, 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 go for it. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, Jeremy, because I know you're really big into coaching staff. So I'm curious your thoughts on Morris, that defensive coordinator for the Rams, and if you see that as being a huge improvement for them. Raheem Morris got the defensive coordinator job? Yeah. Wow. I didn't I, – he was, he was the interim head coach in Atlanta last year. Mm-hmm. Didn't show a whole lot of promise there, which is probably why he didn't get the job. Although I don't understand why Arthur Smith did. So I'm who's to say? Atlanta's just a – uh, just a cesspool of sports, let's be honest. The Falcons. Yep. Okay, in terms of the Rams, it's a downgraded defensive coordinator, but only because I am very high on Brandon Staley. And me and Jeff have been very vocal in the fact that we think the Chargers are going to have an unbelievable season this year and Justin Herbert will win MVP. So I say yes. it's a downgrade, but what really hurt them is not having Wade Phillips. I think what McVay likes to do is McVay's actually a college coach in a pro coach's body in the sense that what a real head coach does is sit there on the sideline and watch the game. He coaches his defense. He coaches his offense. What does McVay do? What does Andy Reid do on the sidelines? They go and just talk to their quarterback. They sit there and they let their defensive coordinator handle everything. They don't bother to go sit on the side, um, stand on the sidelines. Reid does it occasionally. I know McVay does not. He likes to go and talk to his quarterback, who in previous years was that puppet Jared Goff. He just had to program him, tinker with a few gears, and get him to throw a, a play-action read better. Um, but I think that... If, if you want to look at the Rams, I think McVay is probably the best coach in the NFC right now, if I had to take one. Yeah. But it's I think I think a lot of it will be on his shoulders, and I think he needs to manage that defense a little bit better, try and keep Aaron Donald maybe on the field a little bit less, because we saw when he was hurt last year in that playoff game against the Packers, the Rams got exposed. So I think they're going to have – health is going to be very big for the Rams, a team loaded with big extensions but not very deep. All right. Fair enough. Guys, thank you so much. These have been four great segments. As always, we're going to kick it over to Jeremy for Garen's game. Anton, help me out here. Put in the music. I would just like to say I never agreed to this music. I don't understand why we keep going back to it. All right. Quickly, because I meant to do it in the last segment. Can we just all list out our seven playoff teams, please? Because I don't think we did that. 
my I'll go quickly. I got Bucks at the one seed because I think they're gonna have a cakewalk of a schedule. Rams, Packers, Washington football team, Niners, Vikings at the six seed, and the Giants. My other surprise team in the NFC built on that defense with Bradbury, Williams, and Blake Martinez coming in at the seventh seed. Seahawks missed the playoffs. Anton. Um, I got the Rams. I'm so sorry. I was totally prepared for this. I guess the Rams. Uh, someone else go. Just just go. Someone else quick. I got right. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, I got the Packers one, Rams two, Bucks three, Washington four, Cardinals five, Seattle six, Panthers seven. Wow, Arizona that high? You think they overcome Cliff Kingsbury? I do because because yes, uh, I hate Cliff Kingsbury. I agree. We, we, we know we know this at this point, but I think that talent will prevail in this in this setting because they also have another year. Their receiving core is even more stacked than it was last year. I think that the offense is going to be nasty. They're they're going to figure it out. Hold on to that thought, because we're getting back to Arizona later. Doc, what you got? All right, I got, sadly, as much as I hate to admit this, I got Packers 1, Bucks 2, Rams 3, Cowboys 4, Niners 5, Seahawks 6, and you know I got to go with the Bears for the last wild card spot. Duh! Bears. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't really, okay, honestly, I don't really know the rankings that well, but I got the Rams, number 1, 2, I got the Bucks, 3, I have the Packers, 4, I have the Seahawks, number five. I have the Niners, six Cardinals, seven Bears. All right. Pick, can't, you you got to pick, yeah. pick an NFC East team. You didn't pick a division winner for the um, yeah. NFC East. Okay, I'll go with the, I'll go with the Eagles. Why not? Oh my yeah, God! Forget, forget, Anton, you're never coming back forget on this the Cowboys. podcast. Anton's gonna get memed into oblivion. All right. Oh um, so Jeff brought up Arizona, which is why I wanted to bring this up. I'm looking at this Kyler Murray situation with Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm just gonna go on a little monologue here, so you guys can space out or you can listen. I thought this was pretty clever because it took me forever to come up with this segment here. Um, I think Kyler Murray could demand a trade after next year. If Cliff, if Cliff Kingsbury continues to suck and they don't fire him and or they don't show the necessary improvement that they need, Kyler Murray could demand a trade before he gets that big extension that he needs as the, as the number one pick from just a couple of years ago. So I'm looking at the NFC teams that need a quarterback versus the AFC teams that need a quarterback. And whether it be due to age or whether you don't have a good one, here are the teams in the NFC that I think need a quarterback within the next couple of years, as soon as next year. Washington, the Giants with Daniel Jones, Philly, maybe, you don't know what you're going to get from Jalen Hurts, but as of now, I think Philly needs one. Green Bay, Rodgers, you don't know whether he's going to stay or go. Minnesota what about needs Jordan Love? Minnesota, you, you, don't, you don't think No, you don't I like don't think Jordan, Jordan Love's the answer. Minnesota, okay. really? Minnesota, they need a quarterback in the next couple of years, maybe even next year. Yes, I'll say it. Detroit, for sure, needs a quarterback. Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, because Matt Ryan is getting old, unfortunately. Um... Arizona, but obviously they wouldn't be going after Kyler Murray. Tampa Bay needs one as well. Compare it to the AFC. So that is 12 teams. 12 out of the 16 NFC teams, I could legitimately argue, need a quarterback. In the AFC, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Denver, and that's it. Three teams in the AFC need a quarterback. The AFC is stocked with franchise quarterbacks. They will be fine for the next couple of years. Whereas the the real meat, the big hard parts of the schedule used to be the NFC was a buzzsaw. The AFC was the Patriots and whoever came to face the Patriots. That's what it always used to be for years. It has now switched. The AFC is the hard division. The NFC is the almost cakewalk. It's there for the taking. Within the next five years, all 12 of those teams could have different franchise quarterbacks at the helm. So I ask you, this is why I bring this up. What team will be the NFC's perennial powerhouse within five years? I'll give it the five-year benchmark. 
And I know for the AFC portion, we talked about whether you want it to be Tennessee, Jacksonville, or New England. I'm going to say who is going to be that power in the NFC. And I'm going to start to give you guys time to think about this. So my pick is Washington, and here's why. They have a lot of money still in the coffers to dole out in big extensions. And while I'm not happy that that would mean success for Daniel Snyder, hopefully in five years he sells the team and we can be happy about that. Um, Fitzmagic, not too too bad of a long-term contract. You can get out from it. I think Green Bay is going to have trouble unloading Rodgers' full contract and we'll have to still pay that for a couple of years. I think that their weapons are pretty solid with Samuel and McLaurin. Hopefully you can extend one of them. The other one can walk in free agency come five years from now. Their offensive line, sneaky, I think could be a top five unit this year which is why people are so high on Antonio Gibson, I finally figured out. It's because that offensive line is very good with Brandon Scherf and Morgan Moses. Um, you look at that defense, it speaks for itself. I mean, if Cameron Curls is starting safety, he's a seventh-round pick from last year, and he's, he's dynamite. You have pretty good cornerback depth uh, sitting there with Kendall Fuller, I believe, as your centerpiece. You have, obviously, Chase Young in that front seven. I know Ryan Kerrigan's now with the Eagles, which is going to look really weird considering he spent like 12 years with Washington. But I think that they will be, fast forward five years from now, there will be a power vacuum in the NFC at some point. And I think Washington will be the one to take control of it and be winning that NFC East, which has never been won back-to-back times in the last 15 years. There have not been back-to-back NFC champions. I think it starts this year where Washington wins it again. They might give it up next year, and then they'll be back for a couple more because I think they will be very, very good in the years to come. Jeff, I'm going to lead with you on this one. Okay, so this is the team that over the next five years will establish themselves? In, in, fi- in, five? in five years, you will look at this team and say, wow, you know, they were they were on the cusp of it maybe three years ago. They got there um, last year, and now this year and on, they'll just be sort of what the Seahawks are. Let's put it, let's, I think that's a good benchmark. They may not be going to the Super Bowl every year. Perennial playoff contender, you always know that they're going to be uh, competing down the stretch. What team are you Okay, doing? so I, I've got two teams. They're kind of opposites because i think one of them could hit that benchmark sooner rather than later and that is the rams if matthew stafford can stay healthy because they're a young team uh they they've got their players locked up long term and if stafford can stay healthy with sean mcveigh running that team i think that they could be a perennial contender the other team i have in five years just looking at the young pieces they have and, and hoping they can figure it out as much as we've hated on them in this podcast i'm going with the dallas cowboys because they've got their quarterback uh for the future locked up Zeke is still younger. They'll have another guy in there by then. Tony, Tony Pollard might even be a franchise running back at, at that point. But, you know, CeeDee Lamb, he's going to be one of the best receivers, one of the best three receivers in the league at that point. Amari Cooper's going to be gone. That's fine. They'll cycle in another talented player in that position. The defense, hopefully they continue to build out around Micah Parsons. I just think that you look at the checkbook that Jerry Jones is working with, uh, in Dallas and the fact that he's unafraid to make big moves yes while that has backfired in the past I think if they stay the course with Dak they stay the course with CeeDee Lamb and they continue to build out that defense rebuild that offensive line I think the Cowboys could be that pick okay so for age reference the Rams the sixth youngest team in football with an average age of 25 and a half yep. Uh, mm-hmm. The Cowboys, the ninth youngest team at 25.6. You vote, yep. you go all the way down to the end. The Bucks at 30. Texans, the 30, 31st oldest team. And the Bears, <laughs> 32nd. They're the oldest team in football with an average age of 27 even. Oh, God. Anton, okay. what is your pick for the sort of dynasty in the making? Fast forward five years from now in the NFC. As much as I hate to say it, I really think it's the Niners because I think they have a great coach in Kyle Shanahan. He's one of the most creative guys I've ever seen with like 
his run schemes and I don't know. Just, just don't put him in the Super Bowl. Exactly, right? But I feel like if we're talking about necessarily winning Super Bowls, but just, you know, being a really strong team and being contentious for however long, I think the Niners are poised to do that. They have Trey Lance, who I think is an excellent quarterback. I think he I think the new way for quarterbacks is just being really talented. You don't necessarily have to be like pro ready, but if you can have a lot of tools in your tool belt then some smart coach can figure it out for you and Kyle Shanahan's the perfect guy to do that then they also have a guy like Brandon Ayuk I think Brandon Ayuk is one of those guys that's really big he's really slept on I think he has wide receiver one potential um and I just like what they're doing in uh in in San Francisco I'm not a huge Niners fan because my friends are insufferable okay but I gotta be honest I think the Niners are our team that can really They'll, they'll be they'll be around. They'll always be around, and I think they're going to be set up for the future. All right, Doc. I'm going to flip it to you if, you're, if you want to answer this question. It's your call. What team will be the Seahawks? And that was my comparison. I think it's fair. Making the playoffs consistently might not be winning the Super Bowl or even in the NFC title game, but you know they're always going to be good for a, a good playoff run. You know, I kind of like Anton's uh, Niners pick there. I think he made a lot of great points. Um... I was thinking about the Cowboys, but I just don't see them. And you know, I was saying that I think the Cowboys are going to be contenders this year, but I don't think that they have the full overall team. Um, They're going to have to do a lot more with their defense in the next couple years. I just don't see them getting to that point. So I'm going to take the bandwagon on the Niners there. That was a good pick, Anton. I like that pick, especially if Trey Lance can, can figure it out. One thing I have to throw to you before we, we wrap up, and Jeremy, you, I'll let you have your finishing statements too because I'm sure you got something, is um, you said you like the new wave of quarterbacks who aren't necessarily pro-ready, but they got a lot of tools uh, in their toolkit. You know, the, the Trey Lances of the world, the Justin Fields of the world. I think, although I think you could argue that he's more, pre- more, more pro-ready than most. How do you feel about Mac Jones? <laughs> me because he's yeah. the opposite of exactly I, well, so what that, you just said he's the that, most pro i would say i would toss in justin herbert in that list too but i feel like mac jones is in the perfect situation i think mac jones okay. only works in like a josh mcdaniel's offense because i feel like he anything that he had to deal with with nick saban in alabama i'm sure like that experience there like, you know i heard about him talking trash um, when they would run against like the practice squad you know in alabama and now mac jones is in uh, what well, Cam Newton's gone now too, so I think Mac Jones is just in a perfect fit, and so he's sort of like an outlier in this scenario. But I think um, talented, yeah, he's all right. But I feel like he has all the tools to fit in that Patriots offense, just like Tom Brady. All right, that, that's fair. I would say that you know, while Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback, so me he can he can figure out the game and figure out how to read read defenses effectively i think that kyle shanahan to an extent wanted mac jones i think that the front office pretty much told him you need to take trey lance because uh, they didn't feel like mac jones was worthy of being the number three overall pick i think he would have been the perfect fit because we know shanahan likes to control his quarterbacks like a puppet as jeremy was saying like like he's done in the past and mac jones while he wouldn't be controlling him like a puppet you know he's a rookie quarterback that he can mold to his liking whereas trey lance he, you got to get him ready first and then you can figure out what to do with him he's more like a deshaun watson in terms of the the tools that he has but he's got to figure out the game first so i just wanted to throw that to you jeremy do you got anything to finish up for garen's game yeah i'm just gonna build on what anton said about the quarterback position and the current age of the quarterback position 
the age of having a pro-ready quarterback is gone. And we may never see some of these guys actually become pro-ready quarterbacks. I would argue right now that Jared Goff has not become a pro-ready quarterback. He was drafted yeah. in 2016. I could make the argument that Carson Wentz is not a pro-ready quarterback, and he was drafted in 2017. I could make the argument that some of these other guys, Matt Ryan, when he was under Kyle Shanahan in 2016, that was not the Matt Ryan offense that we saw last year. He wasn't making reads. He wasn't making decisions nearly as much as he was last year. Because what does Shanahan like to do? What does McVay like to do? Swing routes. Check it down to your running back. Screen passes. Let guys get open in space. Yards after contact. Yards after the catch. That's big on what they emphasize. And you know who also shares in those offensive philosophies? The current Titans offensive coordinator. I forget his name right now. Matt LaFleur up in Green Bay. Oh, actually, Mike LaFleur. That's who it is. He's the guy down in Tennessee. His brother. Matt LaFleur also shares in his um, philosophy. You got a lot of these coaches these days that are saying, okay, let's adopt this like a college coach. How Lincoln Riley controls his quarterbacks where all you have to do is look at one guy like I do in Madden and say, okay, if this guy comes down, I'm just going to throw over his head. And if he doesn't come down, I'm going to dump it off to the guy in front. That's literally what they do now in the pros. There's no, you're not going to see a Brady or a Breeze that can make the checks at the a Manning that can make the checks at the line nearly as often anymore in the coming years. Mac Jones may break that mold. We'll see. But it also happens because you put him in the spread offense. You keep him in the shotgun, so that way they don't have to go and make those reads at the line of scrimmage. And it'll be interesting to see how the quarterback position develops over the next couple of years. Guys, this has been an awesome episode. One of the best discussions we've had so far. I'm gonna sheet. You guys, quick to, to finish up and, and give us your socials if you'd like to. Before I'll lead off with you, Doc. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have to get you on again sometime during the season after Justin Field takes over, if he takes over at some when point. When he takes over. Just, when he takes over, just to see how the Bears are doing. Might just do a Bears talk episode because I know yes. we, could, we could spend an hour or two doing that. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciated your expertise and bringing a different viewpoint to this podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Awesome. No problem. Do you have any socials that you like to share with people where they can find Yeah. You? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at underscore Lauren underscore Christine underscore. I know it's a lot of underscores. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Jeremy, again, killing it with Garen's Game. Everything. Thank you so much for coming on again. Have any socials you'd like to shoot? Yeah. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, working pretty hard, I'd say, on working on an NFL rebrand for the primetime socials that are going to be coming up here in the fall for the NFL season. We got new graphics for writer's picks. We got new graphics for power rankings, full week finals. We got fantasy advice. We got draft order. We got um, final score I just made this morning. Uh, a lot of different stuff coming out. I'm really excited to share it. So check it out at, at PT Sports Talk on Instagram or at Talk Primetime on Twitter. You'll get me or Anderson, our other social media person, uh, posting them uh, daily throughout the football season so you can keep up to date on all of the latest NFL scores, stats, and news. Sweet. Anton, my fellow Browns fan. He's also, for those of you Go listening, Browns. usually the person who's editing this podcast, putting it all together, does so much great work behind the scenes. We're recording this on a Friday evening. I'm not sure when it's going to get out. Anton might edit it. Uh, his roommate, Justin, might edit it. We'll see what goes on there. But thank you so much for coming on once again. Shoot us your socials. It was always a pleasure uh, to come on. But my socials, uh, you can find my Instagram at Anton Lee with two underscores underneath that. Uh, so Underscores. I know, underscore gang. But uh, thank you very much, Jeff, <laughs> for having me on again. Awesome. And thank you all for sticking around and listening to us this entire time. We're going to be back hopefully over the next week or so with an NBA offseason recap. I know we've 
gone away from basketball for a little while. School just started up for all of us in our senior year, but we're gonna get back on the grind. Thank you, all three of you, for joining us, and have a good one.